0: When it comes to trauma relief, what is unstucking, what are pendulation and titration, and what do impulses have to do with any of this? My name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, helping you to understand the polyvagal theory clearly and apply it to your traumatized state so you can finally get the relief that you deserve and need. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. I'm going to be answering a question from one of my uh, course students. I'm going to call them Billy, and here's the question. Unstucking means eventually one won't experience that stuck energy, for example, freeze, anymore, or that with this pendulation and titration practice, one is going to build a stronger vagal break and acquire more self-regulation tools, question mark. I'm confused because I keep thinking that acting on my impulsive shouting, for example, whenever I get caught up in a free state, will help release this frozen energy, but I keep falling back into this state. Thank you. You're welcome, Billy, ahead of time. So I have three questions that I pulled from this, and I'm going to go into each of these in more detail. The first question that I want to go into is, what does unstucking mean? What am I talking about when I say unstucking? This is kind of a a just and specific term, I think. I don't think unstucking is a, a real thing, so I better be clear with what I mean. Now, of course, In the unstucking Defensive States course, I'm much more clear. There's actually um, a lesson on this where I talk about what stuck is versus unstuck. So what does it mean? I'm sorry. Does it mean not experiencing the stuck energy anymore? That's kind of what Billy was alluding to in the first part of their question was, doesn't it mean that we're not going to experience the stuck energy Energy anymore, the energy that comes along with the stuck state, like freeze. Now, and if you're having some extreme excess and truly 100% getting unstuck, then yeah, sure. I guess that you you may not experience that stuck, frozen energy anymore. So, you know, an, an extreme, cartoony, one-dimensional sense. Yeah, I guess that's kind of what it could mean. But that's not realistic for most people who are working on their uh, traumatized state. So there's probably going to be smaller steps toward their unstuckness. So it's probably not going to be that, you know, one-time home run, trauma-releasing, shaking and trembling kind of thing. It could happen, I suppose, but realistically, probably not. It's it's especially as I find in, in my therapy practice that it, it is a longer process. It's a longer process that's not simply... Releasing your trauma all at once somehow. There's a lot that goes into it, including uh, building the safety state. So that's a whole separate like phase of this. Uh, Right now we're focusing more on the actual releasing of the stored or stuck trauma. In my mind then, unstuck really refers to less and less stuckness. That refers to the defensive state having less and less hold over you. That means less and less dysregulation over time. Hopefully quickly, sure. But it may be a longer process. You first have to be able to build the strength of your bagel break, which we're going to go into a little bit later. You have to build your stress tolerance. Then once you have that enough and you can come from curiosity and interest and have the capacity to feel more of your stuck defensive state, then you have to learn how to do that, and that's, that's not exactly super obvious. That's what I spend a lot of time in in the unstuck in defensive states course is how to do that. So in my mind, it means less and less stuckness. I don't think it means you don't experience it ever again, maybe not as intensely. I hope not as intensely. That's definitely part of it. But I don't think it's all at once. That's kind of what I'm getting at here. I would say that you'll have less and less time spent in your defensive state. I think you would have, I think you would have more and more um, safety state access and experiences like curiosity. So being interested in what you have inside of you. Being interested in what it's like to be in a defensive state. Being interested in um, not just emotionally, but like on a sensations level. You know, what's happening inside of you. Now, if you're trying to do some sort of exercise or technique that some guru taught you to get rid of your trauma or release your trauma all at once, that doesn't tell me you're very curious about it. And that doesn't tell me, I don't I don't have much hope for you. I'm sorry, but if that's where you're coming from, I don't, I want the best for you, but I don't hold a lot of hope that that's going to be super helpful. I think if you're curious about what you have inside of you, then you can actually feel it. And then the body will naturally go through its self-regulation process and then or it release its trauma, climb the polyvagal ladder more and more and more and build more distress tolerance along the way as well. So if you have curiosity and you're like, hey, what's going on inside of me? What is this truly like? That's a part of the unstucking process. The next step would be to actually feel what it's like to have that stuck defensive state and the emotions that come along with it and the thoughts and uh, the sensations and also the impulses as well, which I'm going to talk about later on in this episode. Being unstuck uh, means more capacity for self-reflection. That's, I think it's part of that curiosity and looking inward. There's more connection with yourself, but also potentially, or it should be, connection with other people. And what that looks like, I don't, know. I don't know. I don't think it means you become this extrovert and you go to parties all the time and hug people nonstop. Connection could just be that you're joining a, uh, a local club of some sort and you're just trying to you know meet new people or putting yourself out there in a different way. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully you would have more happiness and joy and appreciation in or as you get more and more unstuck. All of this stuff is covered way more in depth in Unstucking Defensive States. That's my, uh, my newest course that is out now. This is actually phase three. It's the final phase of my Polyvagal Trauma Relief System. That's my larger system that, that is the totality of all three of my courses. So, Polyvagal 101, Building Safety Anchors, and Unstucking Defensive States, all that comes together for Polyvagal Trauma Relief System. It teaches you, it guides you in actively experiencing your defensive state. At least this, this third part here, on un, uh, UDS, unstuck in defensive states. It teaches you how to actually and actively experience your stuck defensive state. And, well, it doesn't, not just that, but also how to get relief from your stuck trauma. It, ideally, it comes after building safety anchors, but if you're at a point where you're like, oh, I can handle that, I'm ready, cool, then. Unstuck in Defensive States is available now. It is in the process of being completed. You can purchase it now, but uh, it is still in production about halfway through it. Um, you'll also get access to my Stuck Knot meetups, which are happening uh, twice a month at this point. And I, I love doing those. But uh, ideally, you do have the bagel break Strength necessary, which would come from me through building safety anchors. But if you've already got that cool, then UDS would come next. That's Unstuck in Defensive States. No, so my my heavily traumatized clients, they don't typically have that one major change, that one major moment, and then all of a sudden they're unstuck and they're good to go. They definitely have moments of unstuckness in session and out of session, but they're gonna it feels like they take steps forward and then maybe some steps back and forward again and then back, and that's just part of change in general, I think, and that's totally normal. So it's a gradual process. Unstuck is a gradual process. Does that mean you get, that you'll forever have, you'll never experience that defensive state again? No, of course not. You're human, you're a mammal. You're going to feel these things again. Will you feel the trauma that you're currently going through right now with flashbacks and all? I think the likelihood of that is less. And when it does come up, it won't be as intense. That's usually how it goes. If you're someone who's like, you're on this path and you're not going to be in my course, that's totally fine. That's, I think what I want you to get from this is that it's a gradual process. There may not be that home run. There may not be that one moment where a miracle happens and you're unstuck and you shake and tremble and release it all at once. That, that may not happen. That's okay. It, it is a gradual process. So for you, I want I want to make sure you know that. And whatever process you're going through to find the relief that you deserve... I, I would just trust or know that baby steps are completely okay. It's actually normal and good, and it's it's forward. Hey, fellow Stuck Knot, do me a quick favor, though, and make sure that you're subscribed or following this podcast if you can. Um, if you're driving, don't do that. After you give the subscribe or the follow button a little, little press, a little tap, you will get immediate access to every episode right away. Uh, your subscription and also sharing this podcast goes a long, long, long way. I deeply appreciate it, so thank you ahead of time. Okay, topic number two. Uh, Billy had mentioned pendulation and titration leading to more self-regulation tools. What I would say is, first off, let's talk about what these are briefly. Of course, this is covered in unstucking defensive states. Also, Peter Levine has great information on pendulation and titration. Uh, if you read up on his stuff, you'll you'll get a a really good understanding of what these are. But basically pendulation is the pendulating, so going back and forth from defense to safety. From your stuck traumatized state to um, some sort of safety anchoring, some sort of, basically like from a pain to some sort of uh, sense of goodness. From bad to good. (laughs) I don't look at it that way, but you might be at that point where that makes sense to you, so I'll, I'll put that out there. But none of this is good or bad, it simply is. It may feel negative or positive, and that's kind of that's kind of it, is you're going from something that feels more painful to something that feels uh, more pleasurable. So pendulating is going back and forth, uh, potentially rhythmically, potentially purposefully, where you're consciously choosing to, to go from one to the other. Titration is feeling and releasing a little bit of your defensive state at a time so that would be like your uh, stuck free state you're releasing a little bit at a time not all at once it's probably going to be overwhelming it could trigger overwhelm or rage or panic if you're not prepared for it so pendulation is we're, we're we're dipping in a bit at a time climbing the polyvagal ladder a bit at a time pendulation is a part of the titration process that's the basic idea pendulation and titration are, to answer, to answer uh, Billy's question here, pendulation and titration are the self-regulation tools. They don't lead to self-regulation tools. They are, that is the self-regulation. The ability to go from uh, discomfort to comfort, that is self-regulation. The ability to release a bit at a time and with patience and with curiosity that is self-regulation. That, like, that's, that's a perfectly normal process of grief is to go from deep pain, like I talked about last week in that clip from a stuck not meetup, to go from deep pain one moment when you're grieving and missing that person to then remembering you know, the last time that you hugged them or smiled together or heard their laugh, to go from deep pain to deep connection. It's a natural process of pendulation. And when I when I work with people that grieve, they do that naturally. And what that does is uh, it titrates a bit at a time of the pain that they're going through. It helps them climb their polyvagal ladder a little bit at a time. So pendulation and titration, that is self-regulation. If we were left to our own devices, if none of us got in each other's way, if we weren't traumatized, no, that doesn't make sense. If we didn't get in each other's way, if we didn't get in our own way, that's, in my mind, that's kind of how self-regulation looks. So do these lead to self-regulation tools? Kind of, I guess, maybe, because they can look they can look different. The process of pendulation and titration can look different. Um, things like fidgeting or movement or using your imagination or more, all these can be used in the process of pendulation or the process of titration. All these things, like I mentioned, and a whole bunch more can be found in building safety anchors. Basically, through building safety anchors, all those things that I taught in building safety anchors, if you're in my course, once you can anchor in safety, you can use that. You can use that that safety anchor as part of your pendulation process once you are ready to actually feel the more painful stuff. In building safety anchors, I do not do the painful stuff. I don't go into the trauma. We're not there yet. That's that's phase two, uh, building safety anchors. So pendulation and titration are not a part of that because the point of building safety anchors, and I think what a lot of people don't do in their trauma recovery is build the strength of their safety state. So there's no pendulating and titrating, titrating in building safety anchors. But the, the things that you get from that course, or even if you're on your own you know, time or, or your own work, whatever you're doing for yourself, if you know what brings you to safety, that can be a part of the pendulation process. That, might look, that will look different than mine. So it's the same concept. It's the same self-regulation skill, I suppose. But uh, it, it looks different. But it's the same thing. You want to be able to anchor in safety, then pendulate to defense, but also from defense back into your safety state. If you can do that, that opens up the possibility of titration, of releasing a bit of the trauma at a time. My Building Safety Anchors course identifies safety for you. unstucking defensive states identifies defense for you. But both of them teach you how to feel and experience those polarities and um how to go back and forth specifically with UDS that teaches you how to go back and forth and then how to release a bit at a time and the third question that I pulled from Billy's uh submission is about impulses and acting on impulses so acting on impulses again this is another facet of unstucking defensive states now why am I keep bringing this up obviously I have it for sale but Billy came to my um what do you call it my uh Beta version, like my, my lecture of UDS, and I asked for feedback to make sure that I'm creating the best possible course that I can. And uh, Billy had submitted some feedback and asked this question, so that's why I keep bringing it up because it came from that. Also, because I want you to buy it, uh, JustinLMFT.com/UDS. Moving on, acting on impulses. This is another facet of UDS, which is currently in production but available. If you can identify the motion that you're experiencing. Okay, so when it comes to impulses, if you can identify the emotion that you're experiencing, maybe sadness, maybe anger, maybe anxiety. So if you could experience that and then drill down further, we're going to go like a layer further into the sensations of that emotion, the sensations that are underneath the emotion of what you're going through. If you are experiencing the emotion of sadness, the sensation of sadness could be heaviness. It could be numbness. It could be feeling alone. It could be being in a dark room. Not literally, maybe literally, but I mean more of, um, that could be the image that pops in your mind of sadness. The sensations of the emotion are the experience of your stuck defensive state or your current defensive state. Mindfully experiencing Those sensations, which I teach about in UDS, but mindfully experiencing those sensations will allow you to potentially notice an impulse that might surface from that. So if you can go from your emotion, drill down a bit deeper into your sensations. And I I know you get it. I trust that you get it, but there's like steps on how to do that. I just, I can't get into here. It's, it's, I, I don't, I can't do that. I teach all this in UDS, all right? So if you can go from the emotion down uh, a step or down a layer into sensation and then experience those sensations mindfully and watch them and listen to them and notice them, then you may notice that a, uh, an impulse of what your body wants to do surfaces. But you have to be grounded in safety. You have to be grounded in safety in order for this process to unfold. You have to be able to experience this mindfully. I'm going to build on that. If not, and here's where I'm going to build on it. If you don't, then there's still kind of like, you might still have this impulse. Let's say that you, you know, you're, you know, you're pissed off. You have the emotion, right? Or we'll stick, we'll stick with sadness. Let's say, you know, you're sad. You ha- you know, the emotion, but if you can't mindfully experience the emotion, then there's still kind of like an impulse. Like you still want to be alone. You might turn the lights off. I almost said, close the lights. My dad used to say, close the lights when I was a kid. He actually, he still does. I'd be like, dad, we don't close the lights. Just say, turn the lights off. And my whole life he said, close the lights. (laughs) And apparently that just sunk in and it clicked right now. All right, sorry, moving back. So there's still an impulse, kind of. But it may be more of a behavioral adaptation Reflex or, or or impulse. I'm going to use those words interchangeably. The, what I want you to get from that is that it's the behavioral adaptation. That's the important point here. For, for example, uh, an impulse to shout like in the, like Billy had written. I'll, I'll build on that. There may be an impulse or a reflex or a behavioral adaptation to eat or to use a substance or drink. These are... These feel like impulses, um, but that's not what I'm talking about. These are more of behavioral adaptations. These are like reflexive, mindless, not mindful. So uh, an impulse is not the same as a reflexive behavioral adaptation. So that's, maybe that's, I'll, I'll call them that and kind of differentiate. So is, is the shout that Billy's referring to? I don't know, Billy. I have no idea um, for you in particular, but let's run with that and just generalize it. Is the shout or could a shout... Be an attempt to release something inside of you, and can you do so mindfully? Isn't there some therapy of like shouting therapy where you just like scream into the air and you're supposed to feel better or something like that? Isn't that a thing? Anyhow, uh, so is the shout an attempt to release something stuck inside of you, and can you do so mindfully just in general? Or that's one that's one possibility, or Is the shout an attempt to dominate somebody else and get them to submit to you so that you can feel dominant? Or is the shout a desperate attempt to get someone to hear you? On that third one, I mean, if that's true, and again, I'm talking just in general here, um, I'm more curious about the experience of being alone and being afraid. I'm I'm more curious about the experience, the sensations that underlie, and then the impulses that come from. But these sensations that underlie the the emotion of desperation and aloneness and being in, uh, needing help. But also, if that's true, there's there's some fear there, right? And with fear comes immobility. So shutdown. I'm more interested in, rather than the behavior of shouting or of using the drug or eating whatever it is, or uh, cutting, or it, it could be many things, right? Of course the behavior is significant, of course. But I'm also wondering, well, what's underneath the behavior, what emotion, and what what sensations are underneath that emotion? And there's always kind of more, there's always more that lies under, underneath there. So, you know, it, it is, if there's a desperate attempt to get someone to hear you through screaming, through shouting, to me that means fear and that to me that means immobilization. And if you can get to that level of feeling that stuff, then there may be an impulse that emerges from that. In the example, let's go back to this. Billy had said, Whenever I get caught up in a freeze state, I'm sorry, I keep thinking that acting on my impulse of shouting, for example, whenever I get caught up in a freeze state will help release this frozen energy, but I keep falling back into the state. Thank you. So if you're acting on what feels like an impulse and the problem keeps coming back to me, and I, I know I said you're, I'm, I'm talking in general to, to you, listener. If you're doing the same thing over and over again, if you're acting on an impulse to yell at somebody or yell or use something to feel better. If you're acting on an impulse and the problem keeps surfacing, to me, that's a behavioral adaptation. It reflects a behavioral adaptation, not an impulse that stems from your polyvagal state. If you can identify the impulse and act on it, then you have an opportunity. To, if you can mindfully act on it and experience it, then you have an opportunity to actually feel and allow the self-regulation process to happen. Polyvagal ladder climbing to happen. Um, defensive state you know releasing discharging to happen. If this stuff interests you though, hey, I'm stuck in defensive states, that's phase 3 in the larger polyvagal trauma relief system, head on over to justinlmft.com if you like this. I mean I'm I'm putting it all together for you. Everything you need in one course. And again, UDS is in production, but it is coming along nicely. I am super happy with it. Now, that's it for this episode, but I do have a nifty-gifty for you. Um, it's called SSIEC, State, Sensation, Impulse, Emotion, Cognition. It's a one-page worksheet for free. Head on over to my website, and you can download it at justinlmft.com ssiec. JustinLMFT.com/ssiec. So on this sheet, I have a whole bunch of words relating to your polyvagal state, your sensations, your impulses, your emotions, and your cognitions. I lined them up for you to help you identify what the heck you're going through. Maybe there's a word there that, that'll jump out at you, and you could be like, "Oh, that's that. That's me. That's how I feel." And if you can do that, then you can use this sheet to connect to potentially other words in other domains. Like if you know, or if you see that sadness is in the emotion column, then you can use the sheet to look at the other columns to line up um, potential impulses that may come from that or, or uh, uh, sensations or even cognitions. Thank you for listening, fellow Stuck I hope this episode has been a helpful resource for you in your process of learning and applying the polyvagal theory to your own trauma relief. Bye. This podcast is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area if you are experiencing mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed to be specific life advice. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. More resources are available in the description of this episode and in the footer of justinlmft.com.